You're listening to Dirty Feet, a podcast from No More Radio. Vous écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les ondes de No More Radio. Hosted by, animé par, Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon, et Stéphanie Morin-Robert. Stay tuned. We're going to move you. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Dirty Feet. Uh, this week we're doing something a bit different. Um, Allison and uh, Stephanie are out of the country. They're visiting New York for artistic inspiration. And uh, because of that, uh, I have a special guest host with me today, Tim Rodrigues. Hi, Tim. Hello. And uh, we decided to do something a bit different. Rather than just interviewing artists who have an upcoming project, we decided to do a sort of roundtable discussion with two other guests, um, David Albertoth and Simon Xavier Lefebvre. And we're going to be talking about men and dance. Basically, uh, it's a subject that that deserves a lot of attention and that we haven't been talking about a lot much. And we're really excited. So since this was Tim's idea, first of all, well, Tim, could you uh, tell us a bit about what, like, what brought you to suggest this as a discussion? I guested on Dirty Feet um, back in the Bouge DC episode this uh, past January and um, uh, was asked to come back. And uh, I, the subject of, of men in dance came up mainly because I know a lot of men in dance uh, and am a former dancer myself. And I feel that sometimes when we get to talking about dance, um, it's more of a global thing and it's almost implied that it's um, uh, a bit exclusive uh, to, uh, to women not blatantly, but sometimes subtly implied because whenever the subject of a male dancer comes up, it's almost like, uh, like an albatross or, uh, um, you know, like something that's not quite real. So, um, I, I just wanted to talk to some of the real, uh, men, not real men. Some of the, they, were, they weren't available, but they so, weren't available. <laughs> we did with what we could find. So I wanted to be able to, to, to pull a couple of, um, of male uh, performers, choreographers uh, together to speak with us uh, about this as yourself and uh, and me are, 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 are men involved in the dance world as well. So I just thought it would be an interesting conversation to have about um, male roles in dance and, and men coming into dance and their, um, their expectations, their, their, um, passions behind it and and all things related with uh being a, a man in the performing art of contemporary dance and so first of all well thanks for coming guys even though you were just like our, our second choices <laughs> but still <laughs> like you're men thank in you dance. for having us yeah. it's our pleasure so you're men in dance um we've mentioned your names we haven't talked about you yet so could you just give us a brief um, a brief idea of where you came from, what what turned you into male dancers, quote-unquote. I'm curious about you, Dave. Why don't Am you I start? Going first? Yeah, you're um, going first. All right. Um, so I started, uh, started kind of messing around when I was a young teenager, like 14, 15, got into uh, popping and waving. Um, and then from there, that grew... Uh, in kind of two ways. One was more of a formal training in uh, 
uh, urban dances. Uh, so going from popping and learning about the foundations of popping and locking, and and then that brought me to house and kind of more freestyle hip hop, and then uh, dabbling in some break um, and just kind of staying in in that world. And then on the other hand, started going to raves, and um, which was a lot more freeform. Uh, and back in the day. You had a lot of Montreal b-boys and, and poppers going to raves and hang out in the jungle and drum and bass room. Um, and there was this like, there was this nice freeform sharing, uh, not, not a lot of the big pressure of the battles that never really attracted me so much, um, and spoke to me a lot. There was a lot of, I guess, movement exploration and kind of a weird contemporary dance take on street dance. Um, so that kind of existed each on their own for a while. Uh, and eventually, I found my way into contemporary dance, kind of a fluke. Um, I started choreographing and teaching a lot uh, within, you know, the urban dance milieu, um, and wanted to branch out in terms of creativity. And I wasn't really finding what I wanted. I didn't really know what I wanted, but I wasn't finding it. Um, and a friend brought me to see a show uh, by a company that resembles what we would probably equate to Distinct Croisé, so a company that mixed contemporary dancers and hip-hop dancers. A uh, company from Belgium, Hush 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 Productions. I saw it at Usine C. And I didn't know what Usine C was. I didn't know what contemporary dance was. I didn't know any, like I was really... How old were you? Uh, how old was I? Must have been about 20. Okay. Um, 19, 20, something like that. Uh, and then on top of that, there was like multimedia. It was a very, you know, stimulating show. Um, and it kind of knocked me on my ass. Uh, and I was like, okay, cool. There's a lot of other stuff that I can be doing with the training that I have. Um, but that's not staying within the sphere of what I know right now. There's this whole other world of theater dance where I can incorporate this stuff. Um, and at the time, yeah, all I knew was like ballet companies and, you know, that wasn't me at all. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I, I think I must have been at home talking to my mom or something. And down the street from where my parents lived, there was another family, the Turners. Um, and I knew uh, younger Turner Jeff because we went to Royal West uh, High School together. Um, and my mom was uh, my mom was like, oh, you know, uh, she doesn't talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, she was like, you know, the, the Turner's older son, Andrew, um, just went into contemporary dance and uh, he sucked before. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> big love to Andrew. Yeah. Um, but she was, no, but. Like Blague à part, she was like he he didn't have a lot of dance training beforehand, and he went in and and it seems like he's uh, he's really enjoying it and it's going well for him. Uh, why don't why don't you look into that? So uh, the TJ, the dance department at Concordia, ended up being across the street from where my parents lived. So I went and uh, auditioned, not really knowing what I was doing. Um, got in, uh, but because I was teaching so much, uh, failed the class in Sejap. So I had to wait and reapply the next year. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, true story. Blessing uh, in disguise. Yeah, blessing in disguise. Yeah, uh, ended up in a great year. Uh, loved the people I was in who were in my year, and they, it was just yeah, these three, three to four really great years of being challenged. There were there were lots of men. Just on the topic of today, there were lots. There were like six or seven guys in our year uh, who stayed throughout uh, all three years. 
Um, now they're guys I work with, they're guys I know, they're friends of mine. Um, and I think it, it brought a lot to the balance of that, uh, of that group. It was a big group, a lot of uh, really strong individuals, a lot of people work, making work right now uh, out of that year. And uh, so that's, that's kind of how it happened. And then, yeah, throughout, uh, I kind of fell into this, uh, this mix of wanting to stay true to what I was doing before and, and taking on this new world and, and finding my voice somewhere between, you know, hip hop and contemporary dance. And that lasted for a number of years coming out of school, uh, being, you know, uh, showing work with uh, in the post hip hop project with Victor and, and things like that, really in, in that sphere uh, of the people who are uh, balancing between those two worlds. And then recently, I've started letting that go a little more in terms of just uh, finding just my own conceptual voice and and not holding on so much to the form uh as much though it's still obviously a big part of what i do the form of street dance and hip-hop and stuff yeah i guess just it it's it stopped being as much of a priority in terms of how i define myself okay, as okay. Uh, as an artist it's not quite at, at the forefront i heard it shows much. on the stage that you are a a, a uh how would i would i put it in english some kind of weird beast. So that I'm a take, weird beast on the Take stage. it as a compliment. Okay. As a compliment. <laughs> yeah, you well, move, you move like you move. So that's what I've heard from two different ladies. From two different ladies. Yeah, all right. I'll tell you after the interview. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Well, thank you, Dave. Uh, Monsieur Lefebvre. Monsieur Lefebvre. Don as well, s'il te plaît. Uh, it's a similar story, actually, in terms of age. Uh, 1920 started to f uh, not focus, but get curious about this uh, contemporary world dance. But I've, I had never been dancing before, except just kidding around in my long johns with my brother, like pretending to do ballet in the, in the basement and stuff like this. Like, but my brother, it, it, well, it's important to mention because he, he did the um, National Theatre School of Canada on Saint-Denis there, and he's been doing theater since he's like seven or eight. So since I'm three years older, I've been really uh, curious about theater uh, since a long time. But dance, not at all. Uh, but I've always been really sportive, actually a little hyperactive for people who know me. Um, um, and I've, you know, always liked, always liked to move and have fun being kind of looked at on the stage, a bit like my brother. So... This was already done, and I uh, started doing martial arts when I was uh, doing my, my biology degree in uh, UCAM. Um, there was martial arts, there was kung fu there, so I did it for two years, uh, two years, two years and a half. And during the process, I, while you meet people, so I met a, uh, I, at the end of my back, I met, a, I met a lady who was studying creation at UCAM. And she was always picking on me, so, oh, you should dance, you should come in one rehearsal and stuff like that. So it really happened like au hasard, like this. I, 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 I was not interested at all about this contemporary uh, dance world thing. I was, I was the stereotype that was looking at it with the stereotype also. It was like, oh, yeah. nobody understands anything about this. Uh, it's like that, it's like that. But, you know, I knew theater, so that was, that was kind of weird for me to say that because I, I was supposed to be open-minded about it. <clears throat> And then uh, start a master's in biology. So that was like early 20s, like 21, 22, something like this. And, uh, and six months, something happened in my life. I was, re I, anyway, I was taking a walk. It's really that walk. And I met that, that lady again. She told me, I'm, uh, I'm doing a passerelle 840 uh, tonight. You might want to come and something. So I, I had time on my hands. I was like, okay, let's go. This is going to be my first dance show. And I just lost it i just fell in love with what happened 
on uh, on the stage. It was incredible. I didn't know anything about it. I felt so stupid. I was like, okay, I want to do this. I knew I wanted to do this. And right after the the show, she came up to me and told me, so you want to rehearse with me? And that's just like six months, a year after I met that lady. I, I, I didn't even see that lady in that span of time. So, And she invited me uh, two days after I was in a studio uh, showing more kung fu moves to people. And she like introduced me to other students who were studying creation at UCAM. So I was used, and that's really the topic today, as a man, because there was no men at UCAM back in the days. That was like 21, 22. It's like 15 years ago. There was there was uh, Jean-François Légaré who was studying at the same time, Alexandre Parenteau, Frédéric Gravel, who was study studying too. It's uh, that yeah. particular year. So I was just like slipped in like this as a like, non-paying no student. Huh? Maybe no one will notice. We just have another guy. Yeah, there you go. Another guy. And um, <clears throat> so my first show ever was a, a spectacle chorégraphique, uh, something, something dirigé. Anyway, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the end of the semester. The end of the, semester, yeah. the, end of the three years uh, program for creation. That was my first show ever was at Lagora, Studio Lagora. So every time I go back there, I remember my, my <laughs> baptism, uh, my stage baptism there. And who is that choreographer? Marie-Josée Larot. Okay. She works for Cirque du Soleil now. She's training artists and stuff. So we lost contact. So, uh, so I did that year. I met Daniel Léveillé. Uh, he likes the raw, uh, non-technical mm -hmm. bodies. So he wanted me at that moment. Now he doesn't want me any anymore. You listen to this? You've developed too <laughs> yeah. much as well. So well, I don't know. Maybe I became too good. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> as we said earlier, no, we're, we're not good. We're not good. We're not good. And um, yeah, so uh, eventually to end my story, uh, I did that kind of year off year at UCAM, being really interested about everything that was happening. They did a, a couple of passerelles with Karam for other, other people too. And then I, I decided to focus more on my master's, which I quit <laughs> because I was in a creative process at the same time. So I could really compare artistic research and, and uh, to scientific research. And it gives, for me, it gave me more like, um, how would I say it, like concrete uh, uh, reality, realness huh. in the day by day process. I don't have that patience that the science people have, which I admire, and we need that. Right. But they have a patience for whatever they're doing, the, the, the numbers they're fumbling with, and they're going to be doing this for years. And I'm not going to say with no results, because I don't want to pretend they have no results. But for me, it's no result. It's, it's, I'm, I'm not having enough results. I'd rather paint something on a wall and see that what I'm creating is, it doesn't work, but at least I see color, colors on the wall. Mm. I've, I did something. <clears throat> so that's my thing. So I could compare. So I quit my master's, starting more diving into dance, getting like classes here and there, and then trained for one year at L'Admi. Uh, they gave at that time like uh, <clears throat> technical classes um, for pre preparation for an audition and right, stuff like right. this. I did this, and then I did the audition super relaxed. I was like 26. I didn't quite care if I was going in. So, because you know, you told me about your audition too. You were yeah, like, yeah. not really knowing. So, that's, I think that's the best state you can go yeah. 
uh, to an audition and yeah. you're I, super relaxed. I you're had like, the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. I was nervous yeah. as hell for my yeah, audition. Me too. <laughs> and then I got in Let Me and then I met Dave St. Pierre and blah, blah, blah. So it started, I just did one year Let Me, but my, uh, my the end for me, the end of my school, well, it never really ends, you know, keep learning. So you're really learning. good at follow through is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> 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 and then we ended the uh, La Tendresse uh, creation in, uh, in Germany and, and Switzerland and Austria and that was hard. And that's core. like basically that was maybe like, two years after you came uh, into dance. That's a condensed learning school. That's something yeah. different. We had technical classes there, so it didn't stop. But it was hardcore. So it took a wait. Wow. So that's a bit my story. And I think we should also hear from our co host, Tim. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, my story. Okay. Um, my story is, uh, I guess, a little bit, um, uh, I don't want to say traditional, but maybe. Uh, I started dancing when I was seven years old. I took a tap workshop because I had an older cousin who was a competitive dancer in Ontario. Um, and, uh, I just wanted to be like him. Plus I also used to try and learn dances off of music videos, especially break dancing. I mean, this is like, uh, you know, 86 through 89. So I'm trying to break dance and be Michael Jackson or whatever. So I took the workshop and the lady who ran the workshop told my mother, you need to put him in the classes. You just need to put him in the classes. He loves it too much. <clears throat> so I ended up taking tap class. And then from there, uh, we ended up moving out of uh, Scarborough and we moved to a suburb in Ontario. And uh, at that point, my, my mother was told, like, maybe you should put him into jazz. So I went to a... Oh, nice. Yeah. So I went to a... I started dancing at a studio doing jazz and tap. I was the only boy in a class of, no lie, 30. Uh, and uh, my age group, so I was nine. So my age group, I wasn't old enough to be with like the 11, 12-year-olds. So I was with, uh, plus I was short. So uh, <laughs> in terms of like, when you go to a studio, it's really about uniformity. So I was dancing with like toddlers. <laughs> uh, so after a year of dancing with the toddlers, which was super fun because I was nine years old, it was didn't really matter as long as I was dancing. I ended up uh, auditioning for the competitive troupe of that of that place, and uh, and I ended up competing. So I started competing in dance when I was eleven years old, um, ten ten years old, and uh, I had two great teachers, um, uh, Arlene Murchison and. Uh, Merlene Samuel Cephas, who were my first dance teachers. I competed until I was about 14, so through elementary school, and then I went to a fine arts high school in Toronto where I studied, where I started studying um, ballet and modern technique. And the modern technique was Graham and Limon. And then we did a year of Horton uh, closer to the end. Uh, I had three really great teachers while I was there, um, Julia Lava, Lauren Matthews, and Keith Lee. Uh, Keith Lee came in to teach us uh, for two years Keith Lee used to dance with um, the Alvin Ailey American Dance uh, Company Dance Theater American Ailey uh, whatever Uh, American Ailey yeah (laughs) the Alvin Ailey Dance Company Um, from there I kind of had a bit of a a freak out in grade 12 and and grade 13 where I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, because dance was the only thing I knew but I didn't want to live the life of a dancer that was your goth phase right yeah yeah bro can (laughs) you picture me as goth that was definitely my goth phase uh, and then it was Keith Lee and Lauren Matthews, two really strong male teachers in my life that kind of told me, no, you can actually do this. 
so I ended up auditioning for Ryerson University and was accepted by the Department of Dance, but rejected by the university itself because they don't let you in university with a 52 average. Uh. <laughs> Kids out there, study hard if you want to go to university. Even so, in dance? Even in dance. The university was like, he cannot study here. I don't care. They didn't care if I was Barishnikov. They are like, his grades are crap. So I went back and did a year, uh, another year of high school, six years of high school. I had a friend who was at Concordia at that time who was in my dance class. <clears throat> and she was studying at Concordia. And I ran into her in the summertime. And she's like, at Christmas time. And she said, you need to audition for Concordia. It's where you should be. Um. So I auditioned for Concordia and then Ryerson again, and then uh, ended up choosing Concordia over Ryerson and started at Concordia University in the fall 2001. That was a whole new world for me. Uh, Montreal. Montreal. Like I, I loved Montreal. The world where it was a little bit weird was actually in the studio. There weren't any dancers like me at all. Like, um, like very traditional? Yeah. Okay. Um, there were a couple, but... I think everybody else was just a little bit more open-minded, I guess, is a way to look at it. I was very much like of one sort of mind and uh, Concordia definitely opened me up to it. And uh, I too uh, was lucky enough to fall into a good class, um, which again was kind of like being rejected was probably a good thing because I was delayed a year and I ended up um, in a class with people who I ended up collaborating with afterwards and and I still have as close friends. I feel like name dropping. I'm not going to though. Uh, and uh, while I was at Concordia, I, I, I met David here and we've worked together since. And um, then I actually uh, left dance after my degree. Uh, and uh, I have a friend who, 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 admonished, who admonished me for it for a little bit. She basically like almost slapped me one day after a performance. It's like, I don't know why you don't want to dance. Uh, I ended up getting into line design because while I was at Concordia, uh, we did Spiral, the first Spiral my year, and I ended up doing the lighting because I had a little bit of experience with oh, it. Yeah, Spiral, I remember yeah. that. I ended up uh, lighting that because I had the experience, and I subsequently lit um, further Spirals, like ones that happened after, and then ended up looking after our black box space. So I got really into design um, and creating for the stage, and staging work is really where my my mind was going. Uh, I ended up at the National Theatre School of Canada for a year studying lighting design. And then I came out and was TD at Studio 303 for a year and then freelance for a bit and toured with uh, Rubber Band Dance Group as a uh, technician. And uh, we toured together. Yeah. And we have toured together yeah. with Andrew Turner. Went to Jean Pierre. Uh, yep. We've, turned, we've, we've together. toured together. <clears throat> That's pretty yeah. nice. So uh, still in the dance milieu. And um, that's, and you know, that's, I guess, the long and short of my story. I like telling that story. I was going to say that. <laughs> One of the interesting things looking at it is that uh, all three stories we've heard right now are, I mean, except a bit for Tim's, but in most cases, they're really different from the normal background of a dancer. Like what we imagine people uh, having started Dance at Five uh, with ballet, taking really traditional studio classes and everything. Uh, the, the stories of a lot of guys who end up in dance quite often is, is a bit through the fringe. It's a bit like uh, a lot of guys I know in dance came from martial arts. Small Xavier, you were saying that you'd done kung fu or from break dancing. Like urban dance is also is one of the big magnets that, that, that attracts guys to dance. And um, I, I find it's interesting because 
just in as, as artists, it, it does take you from a really different path than a lot of people. And also a lot of guys who go into dance go at it later in in life with a bit more of an understanding of where they are in life. It's not just what they've been doing their whole lives. I mean, Tim, in your in your case, you said that's what you'd been doing your whole life, and then you found something else mm-hmm. that that was still connected to it, but that yep. was not necessarily. I want to be a dancer. I want to be on stage. I want to be seen. No, it's just I, I needed. I need to be around dance. That's the that's the thing that is that was. Um, that's what kept me like everything is always coming back to to dance so um there's that there's that need there's that attraction to the art form in any in any way i can be involved in dance is what it's about for me uh so i i don't know I, there's like a lot of things behind me leaving but i always have to be involved in dance um so yeah for for other for other men who who discover movement um a lot of them have said that it's the physicality of contemporary dance that challenges them is that something you guys found that kept you there it's totally part of the concrete day-to-day thing is if your muscles are sore it's another kind of a result in quotes that you feel at the end of your day so yeah it's the challenge of it but it's also the feeling that you've you've exercised during the day it's not only created artistically but you know there's so that's that was really something i fell in love with yeah yeah it's nice too because there's um there's a variety in terms of the uh the physicalities that you can find in contemporary dance that's not impossible to find in in other forms but more difficult i think because when you're talking about you know like quote-unquote styles of dance usually a style is defined by a certain type of physicality so you can have you know soft and hard variations on that physicality um but uh the more you zoom out i think of of talking about you know style the more variety you see in the physicality so you know if i'm talking about my own past in terms of urban dances if you talk about popping i mean there are some a, a variety of you know physical textures within popping but when you zoom out into urban dances then you have a, a much wider array and when you talk about contemporary dance um especially as as uh one might say you know on the one hand um a reference form like a form of, of reference and then on the other hand, uh, personal exploration, personal movement exploration, those two things in conjunction with each other open up the entire world of, of uh, possible physicality. So um, whether you're working as a choreographer and, and trying to identify um, various influences or whether you're working as a dancer or interpreter with a variety of choreographers who each have their own very distinct um, physicalities that you take on and embody, yeah, there's always this kind of challenge, this this, um, this new level to meet, and you're always, like, the, the goals become, with time, I think, more subjective, you know, than, than an objective set of goals that you hit. It's, it's qualitative, it's not quantitative. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say by any means that that speaks exclusively to men, but I, I do think that there's something in the male psyche that yeah, loves yeah, that yeah. idea of like, okay, so I've got this down. What's next? Yeah. yeah. I want to uh, nail this. Yeah. I want to nail this. No, I don't nail this. Yeah. No. Oh, I nailed it. I'm going to switch to something else. Nailed it, bro. Yeah. Nailed it. Come on. <laughs> All right. It's exciting. It's a caricature. A caricature. But it's, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. kind of true. In the there, there was the idea of, uh, of that really in how I would describe uh, the – 
when I was how I would how I was describing the program at Concordia to people when I was back home during university. They were like, "Oh, what is it like?" I was like, "Well, right now I'm learning." In high school, I was learning what my body could do in Limon or Graham or 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 the ballet. But now I'm learning what my body can do. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's really go. that that expansion of there's no limit in contemporary art, right? Like it because it's constantly evolving or devolving or changing. It's so fluid. So when you're involved in it on a performing level, you're you're constantly tested, and it's that it's that challenge. It is nailing it and moving on. You know, like you want to get that stuff. You know, it's like it, that's that's part of the beauty of of watching um, late in life performers point finale make the transition to uh like extraordinary performers yeah. regardless if they're if they if they're male or female when you when you see that transition it's the beautiful thing about contemporary performers it's it's, it's that finding out what your body can do like really pushing yourself yeah. you know it's, it's evident what, what's nice too in in that sense is uh it's less codified you know, and I think in talking about like the variety of, of textures and physicalities out there and, and Tim, what you're talking about in terms of um, mature virtuosity, you know, for lack of a better term, maybe. Um, but it's that lack of codification that exists in contemporary art um, that makes, again, that makes it more subjective. You know, when you see a, a master of their craft and, and that kind of ideal that you want to get to, it's also about how am I going to find my own way to express myself uh, it, to the best of my abilities, and when you see people who have been in the game for for a number of years who are able to to really uh, to express something special, you know, something unique, it's different than seeing um, someone working within a specific style, whether that's ballet or tap or, or hip hop or what have you. You know, who are who are able to really like express themselves through a series of codified movements or languages, which is equally impressive but different you know not what we're talking about now but when you can see someone really embody that that thing that idea and you're not necessarily able to put your finger on it either you know it's you can't just follow the same path and if you work really hard get to the same place it's someone who's really made their own way there and you look at the, the people who are now you know amongst the most uh the most established you know solo dance artists in contemporary dance that's essentially what they've done yeah um and there's and what i like too and i think this is also something that maybe or it it, it speaks to the part of me that's a, a man specifically um is the idea that there's no point in trying to do what they did that's not interesting anymore they they've done that now you know so how do you how do you find your own voice within that how do you yeah. carve your own way seek and conquer you know <laughs> the weird beast is anyway it's you've conquered something <clears throat> weird beast <laughs> that's interesting because you're talking a lot about finding your own way uh finding your own physicality and that research uh, according to what smokes that you were saying is part of the thrill it's that chase for like you know pushing your body further but also discovering your body in in a way that's different. Like men usually are going to be um, attracted to more typical types of athleticism, you know, like um, a sports team mostly. When you get into dance, like it's, you know, all gloves are off in a way. Like you don't have the same kind of uh, uh, boundaries or, you know, um, the same kind of directions that you had when you get into dance. How is this adapting to your own approaches to your body when you started dancing to this imposition of, of movement? Because in a way, you know, like when you're being choreographed on, 
you're being told what to do. You're being, there, there's a physicality that's put onto your body. And quite often from female choreographers who have a totally different approach to the body than what you guys have for yourselves. So how was this when you guys first started dancing, trying to embody um, like a form of masculinity to some extent, but from a female perspective? Oh, that's... Well, early on, it didn't. I didn't have that this uh, conception at all. I just wanted to dance, so so I, I was just happy to dance. But you know, when your career goes on and you discover, well, you discover and people discover you, and you discover yourself in the world of dance, and and then you realize, well, you know, I'm living out of this, and I'm making money, and I I can live with that. And then you start to have a different. Well, I started to have a different approach. Like, oh, now I would love to work with that person. Oh, now so. It settles in later at the early stages. I just was, as I was saying, happy to dance, and I just wanted to dance like a, come mm. like excited. <laughs> like, can I nail this? Can I do this? All right, I did this show. I uh, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I know, it's I'm joking around, but it's there's this voice in your head that's mm. saying actually this, you know, this douchey male voice is going, I'm nailing it, but you know, and then you become a little more wise and curious about this world, this variety of choreographers that exist and stuff, and then you want to work with her, him, and uh, I'm usually now super happy to work with a, uh, well, recently, example, I worked with uh, Estelle Clarton for uh, Théâtre de Katsu in October, and I'd never worked with her. I was excited. I wanted to work with her since a long time. I didn't know what I was, how I was going to do that and very excited to to approach her way of moving and put it in my body and I wanted to satisfy her first thing and then really absorb the thing and 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 think about how I'm moving maybe after rehearsal when you come back home but the first thing I wanted to satisfy her like the way I move is it is it okay for you? Am I so? And then you come back home and you're like, yes, I'm doing some Elstedlarton moves. All right, and she likes it. So, so, so now it's more like this. The more variety I can get, especially from female uh, choreographers, why not? Uh, I will just be happy to be uh, trying to move as they want me to move or like they move. So it's totally different. I think it's just the uh, older you get, the more experience you get, the more curious you get. But, you know, that's my path. But maybe uh, you, Tim, since you were dancing since, since an early age, you were more knowledgeable about the variety early on. I don't know. I think the I think the the the, vari- the variety question kind of hit me in university when I was um, charged with being an, uh, an interpret for other people. And it was just kind of like, well, I mean, am I, what, like, what am I doing? Like, am, am, what kind of a guy, of a guy am I supposed to be in this piece? Or, um, does the movement actually feel right on me based yeah. on the experience of the choreographer I was working with? And that, that's where some questions started to come up in my head, just kind of like, in, where I kind of became with, um, uh, a, a little, um, preoccupied with the, with the notion of, um, female choreographers creating on men and kind of having this um, vision of masculinity that I was supposed to be portraying. Um, Not to say that it was, that I was ever at odds with it, but I think I became aware of it. Okay. I became aware that I was a guy on stage, Okay, okay. uh, which is weird because I did a lot of ballets where the role in, in high school, (laughs) not a lot of ballets. I did a lot of ballet on stage in high school where it's so clearly defined that it's not even, you don't even think about it. You're just like, well, yeah, I'm the guy in a ballet. I'm going to like, I'm going to have a couple of solos, do some jumps, lift the girls. And yeah, there you go. 
come on and off stage. But then I became more aware of myself as a man on stage in university. And what did that actually mean? Did it even mean anything? You know, to me, it was just kind of like I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to show that <clears throat> as a, as a, I wanted to be a dancer first. And then I wanted to be a man second yeah. on stage. That was, that was how I looked at it. And I, one of the greatest compliments I ever got in, in, uh, in technique class in university was that somebody told me I was just as graceful as the women in the class. If yeah. Not that's more where so. you want to be. Yeah. Cause yeah, totally. I just want to be one of the dancers. If the majority of the dancers were, were my female classmates, then I wanted to be on their level. Yeah. There you go. You know, and that was it. It was a dancer first and a man second. Um, for me at least, you know, uh, Dave, we were speaking about this earlier before, uh, before we started recording and is the, the idea of, 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 role of masculinity on stage for a female you've worked with women you were saying before uh choreographers who have asked you for your input at, for what it means to be uh um like how you as a man would approach this male character i just wanted you to come back to that yeah um well like you you know throughout through school <clears throat> i ended up being in a in a couple pieces where i didn't really question what it was to be a man in that piece and uh, some of them were, you know, male, female duets and things like that, where it was just, you know, okay, well, you're the guy you're going to, you know, make lift. the girl lift <laughs> and make the girl turn and dip her. And, you know, that's that. Um, and then it, it was after school where I started being involved in a couple projects that made me think a little bit more about it because they required, um, they required more more interpretation than just dancing so it was that transition between what you're saying between being a like a dancer first and then a man second to being faced with the fact that because of the dramaturgy of that piece i actually had to be a man first and a dancer second um but they weren't necessarily archetypal male roles i was uh you know if there there are two in particular one was uh i was i danced a piece with emmanuel calvé um, at Tangente a few years ago, and that was that was an, uh, an important piece for me in terms of it was one of the one of the first pieces where I really had to like sit down and think about what I was bringing to the performance and um, working with uh, with Janelle Chagnon as a rehearsal director. You know, she she really asked a, a lot of these questions, and and I think it was, it was great because I feel that she believed in me and and so pushed me to to you know assume. Um, so that was interesting because Emmanuel's world is very uh, fantastical in a sense. So there was a lot to work with and there were a lot of different layers that I could go pull uh, in terms of the masculinity. It wasn't just, you know, the strong man who's grounded and supports the woman while she's doing all the fancy moves. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of responsibility on my shoulders in terms of expressing uh, the different, you know, fantastical creatures that that existed in her in her world. And so it let me be, you know, on the one hand strong and, and dominating and then on the other hand more sensitive and, and questioning and and creative. And creative and, yeah. and everything in between, all all of the gray zones. So that was that was a really, you know, important piece for me and, and it was one of the first performances where I was able to show some of that stuff on stage. Um, and some people still talk to me about, you know, how that was the first time that they saw me, you know, show this other side of myself. Um, so whenever I, I think about, you know, what what is it to be or from my experience anyway, to be a, a man on stage, um, I do think back to that piece. And and, 
and and while on on the one hand because her world because she really defines her world in, in her own way there was this um a bit like what you say, Simo, in terms of like wanting to come into rehearsal and do her movement uh, the way she does it uh, and, you know, please her in that way. Um, she also has uh, physical abilities that I just, you know, don't have. Like she's got a ridiculous plie that I don't have. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm 6'3", totally I got understand. no butt, you know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the, I had to work really hard to, to like take some of those movements on. And then also realize later on in the process that, okay, if I'm going to make this work, I have to do exactly that. I have to make it work. And I think that's a big part of working for female choreographers and a female's vocabulary is understanding your own body and understanding how to make it work um, because we don't have the same bodies. Um, and maybe this is also something that is just very personal to me because I, I have tight hamstrings. I, I don't have like I've, I don't have a lot of those um, – things that prototypical pro dancer tools yeah yeah, yeah. thank like, you make uh, en dehors and stuff like yeah this. um so i get by you know but i i always have to think about okay how am i going to take this on and make it my own mm. and then that that in turn has become something that i apply working with anybody um now man man or a woman is is now like okay well how do i take this and do it justice so that it fits with their world, with their aesthetic, and but make it so that I don't look like an idiot either, you know, or that I'm just trying to mouth along the, you know. Yeah, you're not faking it. You're I'm not faking to actually... it. You got, it's got to be real because yeah. I think that's, you know, in these projects where you're being asked to bring a part of yourself, that's what's most important is that on stage people feel that you're speaking your own voice and you're being yourself and you can smell it right away. You know, you yeah. can smell when, when it's not real and when it's real. And then the other piece that, that was defining in that was uh, working with Milan Gervais with autofiction, which is totally a different thing, which is not fantastical. It's very much real world, you know, yeah. set outside, uh, working with concrete, working with a car. And I mean, that's a piece that we've been doing now for very know, nice maybe piece. like six years. It's still running. Um, Andrew Turner also, you know, was in that. So again, he came back as a bit of an influential <laughs> voice. Um, but Milan, Milan, working with Milan was interesting because she um, really put at the forefront this idea of, um, for me, it was one of the first times working with a choreographer who uh, pulled a lot more movement from the interpreter and created from the interpreter. And I thought that brought a lot of value um, because in terms of the masculinity of the role, um, it, uh, it, 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 it broke through immediately a lot of the barriers that you would um, be faced with because she was she was dealing um, from her point of view, but open to our input, um, and uh, and so that that was a really interesting process early on, and also with a guy like Andrew, who if you need him to be you know vocal and uh, generous uh, in terms of what he brings to a process, he can you know for for days you know, like, like he can he, talk for days he can talk for days that this guy, guy. Oh, where is that God. guy anyway yeah um, he had two things <laughs> he's talking i saw him he's talking he's talking um but but it was great also because they they had been working together already it was actually a, a replacement for that role originally um so to work with someone like andrew um and milan uh coming into that kind of process already um, was really informative in terms of what you can bring as the man of the piece because Andrew was the man of that piece. And my role actually, 
is is funny that actually that I bring it up because it became an ambiguous role because it was later danced yeah. by Louise Michelle Jackson and Emily it, Honiger and exactly. was originally a woman's role. Yeah. Um, by Joyce, a German dancer. Um, so then that's, that's in a sense why it was informative was I was coming into a woman's role, replacing her now as a man. On top of that, Joyce is, uh, maybe, you know, five something and I'm six, three, uh, very different body types, really trying to, to look at, okay, well, what's essential in this, in this role and how do you take what's essential, leave everything else and take it on, um, and make it your own. Um, so I think for me, that was the big thing that I learned in those two pieces in terms of working as a man in dance. I think, I think men and women, of course, have to deal with this, but specifically as a man, when we're talking about working with women, it comes down to the fact to how are you going to take what's essential to what's being given, what you feel essential and what the choreographer is telling you is essential. I mean, you have to listen to that, of That's course. It. Yeah. Um, and then for the rest of it, take it on, uh, for yourself and bring your own sense of masculinity uh, to that role. If the essential, um, part of the masculine role is to be, um, is to embody an aspect of masculinity that is not present in your everyday life. How, how do you approach that? Like if you have to be, if you have to be a bastard on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, hand, do you mean not in your everyday life? Because then Simon probably should. Yeah, it shouldn't be. I wouldn't should, be working. Uh, I should, in, I should in, all, in all seriousness, in a, in a piece where where the where the um, the impetus is is um, a little bit more intense or intimate um, or intensely intimate, and you're supposed to embody this this male role that is mm. maybe um, violent or or neglectful or. Um, I have a piece right now in my head that. Resonates as Jeremy Niel, Croix Romal, which I did. Uh, was super happy to do this. He's really in the um, uh, body theater kind of thing. It's not quite acting. It's not quite moving. It's not quite quite anything. But right. he knows. You know that you nailed it, and you know that when you're off track when, during rehearsals, you yeah. know that uh, that time I raised my eyebrow. I did too much. I, I saw you. I saw you. you. And you know, you become become really sensitive about his world, and you. And that's one of the, the, the challenges. It's, it's like, well, actually, to answer directly your question, it's like any challenge, like moving, moving like that particular female choreographer would be a challenge. Being a bastard on stage would also be, would also be even though I'll surprise David, uh, would also be a challenge. <laughs> But the, in that particular piece, I really had to be kind of a serial killer that, um, that rips his, his genitals off with a, with a kitchen knife uh, and also uh, uh, bangs the head of this transgender character that we had on the stage played by Francis Lahaye. Beautifully, I had to bang his head on, on, the, on the floor for like two or three minutes. Um, but it was, it was a, I had a blast. It was so fun. Just, just embodying this and, 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 being really mysterious and 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 uh, i don't know frightening people in a way but not not with uh, the the will of, of of frightening people just being that that weird that weird thing i don't want to say weird beast because that's that's dave's um no but that that was another challenge that was really really nice as in Because, you know, masculinity, masculinity is going to come out anyhow, anyway, because even even if you don't want to play that role, I, I, I know I go to UCAM, I do some coaching, you give some technical classes sometimes. And when you start to have the role of professor, which I'm starting to have a little more now, 
you get those uh, those comments or reactions from from your uh, well, I don't want to say your students, for, but people you deal with, like let's say students at UCAM or things, and you're like, oh, you're that Simon Xavier, you're that you're that manly guy on the stage. I'm like. Uh, and I hear that a lot, but I'm in my in my mind. I'm like, can I be something else? I, I know I'm I'm <clears throat> I did other pieces where I'm not manly. I'm just weird, and I've been told <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> um, and so you don't want to be only that guy, but your body's gonna give off something that people see, and that's what it's gonna be. Right. If if the lighting shows your muscles, then you're super manly. But even even in a, a vulnerable moment, like I've been having that blonde wig naked with Dave St. Pierre for a long time, for years. Yeah. And I don't feel manly at all. Believe me. I'm raising my voice and I'm super sensitive at that moment. So, that's the character so, that he has. That's the character. Do. And that's we're not manly at that moment. So I, in my mind, I know like I can nail other things than just being manly. But you know, if, it, if that has to come out, it's going to come out all your career. It's just going to be like that. Because you mm -hmm. got a beard, you're... I'm short and and uh, how do you say uh, stocky? Stocky. So that's that's how I am. I'm a I'm a dwarf on stage <laughs> or something. But you know, just uh, it's another challenge to answer okay. your question. Yeah, yeah. And from um, sort of to piggy tail on on Tim's question, from a, a sort of ethical perspective, to some extent, like you know the, the whole like male brotherhood type of thing, where you know males can can get a bit of the short end of the stick in the public domain. Uh, guys can be criticized for being stereotypes quite often, you know, like the, the fucking bastard guy. Do you guys ever feel that you should uh, reject a role or you should talk with the choreographer about their perspective on masculinity? Do you ever feel like, well, your perspective on masculinity is limited right now and I feel that artistically it's it's causing harm to the work. Do you ever feel that you need to justify masculinity so that it's not seen, uh, it's not too pigeonholed to some extent? Well, the, it had to happen in some pro uh, processes, I remember. Like so that, like for particular moments, how do you treat m uh, masculinity versus uh, femininity? Is that how, how you said it? So, yeah, yeah, this could, like this, like this particular moment could be awkward. Like you could, do you want that? Just okay, so you, you know. Wa you <laughs> right. want okay, you want it. Let's keep it. We'll deal with it during during the shows. Yeah. So so yeah, a lot of times yes, but also it's it's often masculinity versus uh, femininity. So 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 the man doesn't work. anyway. We all know the the, the 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 cliche about it. So you don't want to be always the strong and and the woman. Oh, she's too abused. You can reverse the roles, and that's right. going to be interesting too. But if if, if that's what the person wants well then but it's good to have a talk about it yes yes it's necessary to have a talk about it yeah, that yeah, way yeah. that way it's you, nobody gets nobody can nobody's playing a role everybody yeah. everybody gets to be truly 100 true to themselves because if that's the role that he wants you to play then then, then it comes down to a, a a basic thing of like okay let's go Mm -hmm. That's my responsibility as your interpret. That's what you. That's what you need to say in this moment. We're going to do it. Yeah. But I, I do believe that as as humans, it's good that those conversations happen yeah. because um, it's it's respectful to everybody in the process, to the choreographer, to your fellow dancers, to yourself, and to really the community. It's like, look, we talk about these things, and I'm not afraid to to have to be that guy if I have to be that guy. But 
I'm thinking about it and it's not, I'm not passive in this. I, I'm trying to be active. Yeah. So, to you know, sure yeah, myself there you go. And, you know, <clears throat> it's good. It's a good, I often idea. challenge uh, Virginie Brunel, uh, often, often, often. I'm a, I'm a bugger for this one. Like, Oh, where's, where's the man duet there? Oh, where, when's she carrying me? So that happens a lot. So I kind of tend to pick on her a little bit because we're friends also on this. But uh, but then she knows I want to deal that thing and that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I'm going to do those thousands of lifts in an hour. But I'm so going to enjoy the moment when she's going to lift me for an hour. So that might never happen. But, you know, <laughs> it's my way to maybe try to enrich her and 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 and, and, and the whole rehearsal process, too. So... I think the questioning usually comes when we see archetypes on stage, you know, mm -hmm. and that goes for men as for women. I, I think as soon as we see archetypal women on stage, um, women are are drawn to ask, you know, okay, well, what, why? You know, yeah. What yeah. are you trying yeah, to say? Yeah. What is know? she really doing? What there? is she really doing? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's great. I mean, I think that that's a part of contemporary art that that's important, and it's uh, it's it's very concerned with with questioning and looking at things from a different angle, and we're making art these days that yeah and the past while that that deals with those things you know we're we're concerned with that and the same thing goes with men you know when you see archetypal men on stage you're immediately drawn to think okay well you know is this a conscious decision or is this out of ignorance yeah there you go and when you see archetypes being broken on stage that immediately tells you okay well this person is dealing with that question on the other hand i think what's important to also realize is that at this point gender has been present enough in a lot of our, not only our art making, but for so long that it's now become part of our education too. When those of us who've, who've gone to school to learn to make art have learned about this already in school before we're even in the pro professional milieu. And by the time we're getting to the point where we're, we've been making work for a number of years, these are questions that we have been asked or we have asked ourselves already. Um, so Just to share my my experience and my point of view, I don't usually feel that I, or I haven't just as as it's happened, I haven't felt the need to really address it with uh, a lot of choreographers because I feel that there's already a reasoning behind it. And if I'm if I'm portraying a certain type of man, generally I'm working with people who uh, I think trust is a big thing, and I think that that's again across the board. But yeah, most definitely, definitely, um, and. So, yeah, I mean, you have to trust the people you work with. And I think if a choreographer comes with enough of a, enough of a feeling of, of reflection already on a topic, um, then those questions are, in a sense, already answered. You know, there, there are issues that you don't necessarily have to deal with. And, and um, in the times where I've had to portray an archetypal man, whether it's, you know, like a macho dude... Uh, is generally already within an artistic context where I don't really have to question just that. We're already talking about other bigger questions. And given those questions that we're dealing with, the fact that there's an archetypal man on stage makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Or it's not an archetypal man. It's a totally different uh, interpretation of a man, whether it's a, a very sensitive man or a more feminine man or uh, just a total weirdo, you know, like whatever the take on the masculinity is, generally it's within a sphere that's already well enough defined and well enough researched and well enough discussed mm -hmm. between all the the choreographer and the dancers that we know what we're working with. So then we can just go in with it. And then of course, you know, like Simon said, you know, you, uh, wh whether it's through jokes or through dialogue, you know, you, you challenge, you challenge because you become part of that work, you know, and yeah. you bring parts of yourself to that. Um, but, uh, 
Well, it, 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 yeah. it will yeah. depend on the risk uh, riskiness of the work too. So mm-hmm. I, I totally that resonates mm-hmm. too. I totally agree with what you say. You gotta have confidence yeah. in the people you work with. But you know, it depends also the riskiness of the tableau. If you have to dive in the audience naked with a blonde wing, blonde wig, for instance. There will be some questioning for mm-hmm. sure, for sure, for sure. Twenty yeah. people on the stage, twenty different uh, I mean, personalities. For the last we're 10 in, years, that, that piece yeah, yeah. Question. We're going to be in Munich, and yeah. we're going to. It's going to be the first time we do this in Munich. We're not, we're not home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, obviously there's going to be some questions, some holding back, some pushing over, some some, and that's beautiful. That's part of the process too. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah. it depends of the it depends on the tableau. But yeah. if so, but, uh, in a way, much like. A lot of different issues. It's about the laxism, like the the way the idea is going to be approached and uh, questioned. That that there could be a problem when it comes to gender. Not so much the fact that stereotypes come back, but the fact that people will not address the issue enough, and people right. will be lazy to some extent in in how they bring this up. I think it's also important to know whether you're working for a choreographer or going to see a choreographer's show and forming an opinion on that choreographer's work. I think it's important to know. Um, or to have an understanding already of what questions is that choreographer concerned with because not everyone is concerned with the same questions. And if you're going to see a choreographer's work who's not concerned with gender roles and identity but asking other questions and happen to be using gender roles to answer those questions, you can't just tackle everything either. You can only talk about so much. So if I'm working for someone who's not concerned with gender roles and I feel they're using archetypal gender roles, it would be short-sighted of me to only see a problem there and challenge that rather than thinking about what the bigger picture is for this creator. And the same goes for myself as a creator. I have to, I I can't question every single thing I do. I have to think about what the important questions are that I want to deal with and how do I feel I can best deal with those questions with the tools that I have. Um, And I think that applies also to when you're going to see work. You know, I think we have to make the effort to, to, to see what that choreographer is dealing with. And if they are dealing with gender roles and they are questioning that and that is at the forefront of their mandate and at what they're wanting to give to their audience, um, then, yeah, we, we need to be asking ourselves those questions and probably not others, you know, but other choreographers will take, uh, you know, your typical uh, man and woman um, or be dealing with two men or two women um, in order to be asking other questions. Uh, and I think it's important to know when gender roles are a quote unquote issue in the work and when they're just to be assumed. When are the performers the every man and the every woman? And when are they the woman? Yeah. And the man, yeah. there's, there's the difference. But I, that, I also right? don't like, I mean, I don't think we see a whole lot of it right now, uh, which is a whole discussion in and of itself. But I think um, there's also the the idea that just because you're dealing with uh, two men, like we're talking about the everyday people and we talk a lot about the man and the woman. And that's true. That's predominant reality in dance, whether you're dealing with a heterosexual or a homosexual choreographer, the predominant um, format for the everyday people is man and woman. But I don't think just because you have two men portraying a relationship on stage or two women portraying a relationship on stage, that that necessarily either means that there's gender roles being addressed. That can just be the choreographer's reality that they're dealing with Mm -hmm. uh, in order to talk about other things. I mean, I, I think it tends to be. You know, when, yeah. when you're talking about sexuality on stage and, and uh, relationships, uh, forcément, like you have some questions about gender roles and yeah. who's assuming what role in the other. But it, it may not necessarily always be at the forefront. You know, those may be a, a path to talk about something larger. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, we can address nudity in the same way that we address uh, gender roles as well. We, we can address everything, actually, in it kind of the same way when you need to question it like this. But, you know, you got to, like, I, I remember a question, this particular metteur en scène wanted to me, like, oh, you wanted me, wanted me at that moment to be naked. So I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm willing to do anything. Yeah. You know me. But no, I've seen I the even, videos. Yeah, I know. I know. I showed you. I got it on my iPhone. But still, uh, I, I questioned that at the moment. But, you know, it's my role to try it and dive first. So I did it. I was like, okay. Now you see it's lame now? No, I'm kidding. That's not what I said. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was, uh, but I proposed him. I suggested that the piece might be richer if I'm I, as me, Simon Xavier, people are going to see me and know me and know I can be naked on this stage and I don't mind. Maybe the piece, maybe I'm just asking, like, asking the question, advocate. maybe we'll be richer if I am not naked in that particular moment. Knowing people could see me naked in that moment, I, it would be nice to reverse the thing, and I could be not naked at that moment. Is that a good idea? We tried it, and we nailed it. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was more interesting that I wouldn't be naked. Maybe another interpreter would have been naked, and it would have passed like no mm -hmm. problem. And, uh, but I was in that moment in my career, I was kind of always naked, <laughs> and I really addressed. I, I, so I you asked were in college? <laughs> I was in the high school. No, so uh, so we can address nudity the same way we address like gender roles and stuff. For sure, like because yeah, there's a, because that is kind of I mean nudity is really you. There's no more costume. It's no, like that's a man, that's a woman, or that's go. a transgender person. It's like it's there. It is. It's physically there. So you you. It's almost like it's forcing the face. issue. Exactly, it's forcing the issue. It's in your face, and th I think that's um, part of what of what. Um, some people try to avoid and what some people chase. I mean, you know, yeah. some people don't want it to be there, but some people feel it, it, I need to get their attention. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, it can also show vulnerability of the person of the, 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 the body in front of you. Uh, 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 there's some of clinical aspect to, to the, the nakedness, like right in your face thing. But is it really that, that it's showing or, or it's just showing a naked person for a naked person. And that's, that's where you don't want, you don't want to hit that. You want to be more in vulnerability. If you want it's, there to be substance. Yeah. You want that. And that there was no substance to that moment because it was not the moment to be naked and, and also as i was saying because it was me that was naked on stage at that moment it would have been dave it would have been beautiful i tell you beautiful true that's very un, un, unexpected of of dave's uh reputation as an interpreter yeah and it yeah. may be at that moment in his career to like compare to mine at that moment like it would have been richer to have you i mean i'm naked right now i know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, well, uh, where to take this after that kind of discussion? Yeah. Where to go next? Talking about this, Simon Xavier, you said earlier um, about, you know, you, you were joking, saying to Virginie Brunel, when are you going to put in a, a male duet? And you did create, like, we know you more as an interpreter, as dancer, but you did create a male duet with Lal Stalik yeah. at uh, Short and Sweet. So is this like one of the things that you as a creator, as as an interpreter, but also someone who would like to create movement, is masculinity or the relationships between men something that you that's gravitate a, towards? That's, that's right on. That's because I'm uh, uh, Lael and me are uh, 
are very interested in uh, like we're talking about masculinity that research we're still doing well we're it's still on we're still researching we're in a little, uh, little break right now waiting for uh, answers from uh, different uh, people we we wrote to eh? I'm not going <laughs> to talk about that because it's it's the period right now we're all into this as creators but it, we yeah we're treating masculinity and and the topic is very clear it's male affection and that's very precise that's what we want to treat and it's not homoerotic even though we're going to be kidding around and and doing homoerotic stuff uh because humor is going to come out of it but uh, and when we see it on on uh, i was going to say on tape when we see on on video we see a, a a great deal of of um of sensitivity is coming out of this even if we're kidding around So uh so f since the short and sweet we we looked at the video and we heard the comments that a lot of affection between Layla and me came out and then we decided let's focus on this and let's go and let's go with male affection like fr we always have this stereotype of the what we can do with uh, like friend to friend like uh, knock fists together give a good slap like a little tap tap on the bum and stuff like this but we are uh, we don't even know how well we know we might know but we we don't treat that on stage i think we i think it's a, it's going to be an original subject to treat i i hope it's going to be good but the research is going on it's very interesting and we're uh Every time we can hug uh, each other, a little kiss on the shoulder, kiss on the cheek, even though it like flirts or brushes the subject of homoerotic, it's still uh, there's a lot of affection coming out, and I think it's uh, masculinity can be there on stage with sensitivity and uh, and affection, affection like like really warm affection yeah. between two boys. There that's was, possible. There was that. Uh, 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 In previous work you've done that that has been present as well. In uh, now I got worry. You have a duet with Manu. Yes, yes. That is very. I remember. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Very. Full disclosure. I remember lighting that moment, and I was just like, it needs to be soft. That needs to be. That's a delicate moment with the way you guys carried each other and, and performed together. That that is, that that is a refreshing, exactly role to see two men perform on stage together. It is very refreshing. It's very. It it it, it it's paternal. It's fraternal. It it's 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 base human affection and you're like oh thank god there's no sexuality on stage or thank god they're not hitting each other yeah no, exactly like... they're not fighting they're not having sex they're not proposing any sexual uh, intentions that's it's it's funny because i feel that that's one of the last taboos about masculinity on stage which is affection which is not homoerotic because that that's one of the things that's permeated then since you know like uh, Ted Chan and everything, yeah. where males on stage are going to have that homoerotic desire that's very much embodied. But like actually showing males as more than just like fist pumping yeah. like idiots or the prop that's going to help women, you know, fly higher. It, it, it's not something that a lot of creators seem to go towards or allow themselves to explore. Whereas it's a really rich subject. Like they're... they're And, you know, from, from this discussion today, that's one of the things that came up that men are much more complex than we sometimes give them credit for. And I, I think that there's a big hunger there, especially from males in dance, to, to express this, this wide array of, of what masculinity can be and can represent. And there was actually a piece um, still standing here. I don't know if you guys have yes. seen that. Well, I've seen and, excerpts about okay. it. It was like for me, masculinity and dance, and this this like brotherly relationship of of men, uh, and and how male relationships can be so 
worldwide to some extent is one of my favorite. It's my little obsession when I create, when I choreograph. And that piece just basically like blew my mind because it it looks at males as, you know, in, in a way as children, like even if we grow older, there's still that sort of buddy-buddy uh, playful relationship that stays in male relationships. And it just played with that so much. It toyed with it. It was goofy, but also it was heartfelt. It was genuine. It was authentic. And this is the kind of stuff that we need, I find, um, for for guys on stage to not be just this stereotype. Yeah, that that's. I mean, I, I believe that's the that's the underlying thing that we've all been talking about. It's yeah. just that we are more more than the furniture and, and we want to show those 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 levels to to men because maybe they're not rep- represented well enough in contemporary dance which which I think is actually a valid statement to say I'm not trying to undercut anybody's work or anybody's research but I think that there I don't I don't think that we we're scratching the surface still of, of exploring yeah, yeah, totally are totally male are. roles on stage every time you go see a show there there are men on the stage and you're kind of as a man wishing that there's going to be an awesome duet or or trio between those men and something more complex evolving and i'm not criticizing the works that i've seen it's all it's all nice it's our and but still when i find myself in the studio doing research with leo stelic i'm knocking myself on the floor i'm so happy it's so nice. We can do some awesome lifts, some messed up moves that only men can do together because we're super strong. But also we can hug each other and, and, and be sensitive. So we're totally, we totally free. So it, we're, yeah, we're only scratching it so far. We're going to tr- start a trend, man. We're going to start a trend right here. <laughs> no, but this, I episode, this episode is just going to change everything. It's going to change the, the yeah. The Earth is going to switch its angle a little bit. <laughs> so like in Superman, uh, Superman one or two, I don't remember when he just like yeah, turns around the world yeah. and it go. turns back time. Well, this is kind of the same world shifting moment. <laughs> there right you now. go. There you go. Well, uh, again, David Albertoth, Simon Xavier Lafayette, thank you so much. I'm sure there could be a lot more stuff that could be said about the subject. We're totally running out of time, but thank you so much, and Tim Rodriguez for being our co-host today. Thanks so much for coming Thank on the show and Thank sharing you. your thoughts. Thanks Thank you, guys. Us, guys. Thank you. Sir. Until next time. Dirty Feet was previously recorded at the Montreal Improv Theatre and is currently recorded out of Mainline Theatre. Thanks, dudes. Dirty Feet est produit et animé par Produced and hosted by Alison Burns J.D. Papillon et Stéphanie Morin-Robert You can find out more about our show at nomoreradio.com Follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet and find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast Vous pouvez écouter tous nos épisodes sur notre site web ou vous pouvez vous abonner également sur iTunes à notre podcast Listen to past episodes on website or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes While you're there, be sure to give us a rating and or leave a comment to help us spread the word. Tune in next week for a whole new show.